0: Hey Bev.
1: Hey Sam and Lindsay. Hey.
0: Oh hey.
1: Well Lindsay is from the Rescue Chickens Matter and we're so excited that she is joining us today.
2: Yes welcome. (laughs) Now I'm super excited myself.
1: So what you drinking over there Sam?
2: Well it almost
0: overflowed on me which is why I was so (laughs) quiet. Like I opened it I was like what the heck. It's been sitting here for like a half hour well
1: clearly neither you or I know how to drink today because I almost just poured mine like until it just started coming out over the edge of the glass apparently my (laughs) glass is smaller than my beer is today
0: (laughs) well what I am attempting to drink today is Muskegon's own Pigeon Hill Brewing Company's oatmeal cream pie
1: oh my gosh that sounds so good that
0: does sound really good wow it says ale with spices and odie good news good news goodness, goodness, goodness. <laughs> and it says on the bottom always pure and without drugs or poisons.
1: Yay. Well
2: that's always good.
0: I'm glad that they, you know, confirmed that for me before <laughs> I started to drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we always have to worry about drugs and poison being in on all of our stuff, right? Yes. But <laughs> what are you drinking, Bev? <laughs> So I am drinking a Blake's Hard Cider Company, Great Lakes Coffee-Infused Hard Cider.
0: That's one of the ones I brought you, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is one of the ones you brought me, and I took a good whiff of it first, and it smells delicious, like coffee on top of coffee on top of coffee.
0: I might have to go back to the store and grab one of those because it does sound really good.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to, because I I buy a lot of coffee beers, so I wasn't sure what a coffee hard cider would taste like. Um, I was afraid it would be a little weird, you know, because of like the apple leaf, but it's just kind of like having a slice of apple pie and drinking coffee at the same time. Oh,
0: that sounds lovely.
1: It is very lovely.
0: And what is Lindsay drinking over there?
2: I wish I was, but I am having coffee because I have a million things to do after this with all of them, with all of these birds but I will yeah. definitely probably be drinking wine later. Well,
0: what kind of coffee do you have? Do you know because Bev and I are love coffee, you know. Well, like... we're
2: rednecks. So yeah. the fanciest <laughs> we get is Folgers black silk. That's our oh. jam over here.
0: Folgers is good.
2: He makes it like gasoline. And it's amazing. <laughs> like that's just how he drinks coffee and so I started drinking coffee like that. <laughs> so He's rubbed off on you a bit, huh? Pretty much, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it sounds delicious. And our drinks this episode are sponsored by Montana Coombs from At Thimbleworks. So cheers, lady.
0: Cheers. Cheers.
1: And Montana runs a shop over at thimbleworks.co, and she gives listeners of the podcast a coupon code for 10% off. So if you use the code Drink and Farm over at thimbleworks.co, you get 10% off your order. And she makes like chicken saddles and all sorts of awesome, cool things that are great for chicken keepers.
0: So we're super excited to have Lindsay on today. So Lindsay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how uh, Chickens Matters came to be?
2: Okay, well, I'll make this into a short story. Um, my, pretty much my entire life, I was in horses and I was a roper. I did dressage through intermediate One. I rode um, recreationally and professionally for over 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, I also dabbled in horse rescue. I used to go get them at the auctions and stuff, you know, and like break them out or whatever and then find them better homes. Um, But in 2012, I had a dally accident and I ended up breaking my back. Wow. And um, after I broke my back, I tried to keep up with it, you know, riding lessons and stuff. I couldn't. And so I ultimately ended up moving out of state anyway. So I made the decision to get rid of the horses and I kind of like. Solo there for a few years, and to fast forward, um, I grew up in rodeo, but I also grew up in ranching and farming and processing animals and that sort of thing, you know. So that's where I came from. I know how to like, I, I've done it, I've processed chickens, which is so ironic. <laughs> and then um, my husband and I got birds, and we were going to kind of homestead, and we did that for a while, and that was fine, but then. We got some rescues in. This was about two and a half years ago. And their names were Lucy and Ethel.
1: (laughs) Oh. And
2: we got them in and they were, they had a lot of issues, you know, kind of a a lot of what I see now. But at the time I, I'd only known chickens as, you know, on the farm, not so intimately like I've learned, um, with caring for them and stuff when they're, when they have issues. So, Basically, we rehab them. Lucy was filleted on her side really bad, like her whole skin was hanging off, and I just kind of had to wing it and figure out how to do all of this. So after we saved them, we'd get in like a rescue, and then we'd get in like two more rescues, and it kind of built from there, but it wasn't until about a year ago that it was just, it used to be kind of like a side thing where we would take them in and then in the process of that like I got to the point where I just couldn't even eat anything with a face anymore because I was doing all of this work. So I was taking in the girls and then we started getting in a lot of roosters um, and it kind of grew from there but we never were on social media or anything and I'm finding now that it has blown up since we decided to take it to like Instagram and stuff.
0: Oh, okay.
2: That's when it has really like blown up. Which I kind of, in a way, wanted it to because I wanted to raise some awareness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but on the other hand, it's like, wow, there's a lot of chickens out there, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that people have, you know, get them and decide that once they're not a chick anymore or whatever the circumstance, boom, they don't want them anymore. And then it went from there and in in this whole long process I went from like being a former rancher and rodeo person to being this vegan um, who (laughs) saves chickens, which is hilarious in my opinion.
0: Um,
2: And I always was more like a vegetarian, you know, or like maybe a pescatarian or something, but I went full on hardcore. If it has a face, I can't touch it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so that like that's kind of where it started. And then I also started getting a lot of notoriety because I used to have a really influential Instagram account with my yoga, and I would do yoga with the chickens. So then it all like, kind of like intertwined Aww. together, basically, right? <laughs> so then I became this crazy chicken lady who also does yoga. And then here <laughs> we are today with my life of nothing but chickens. I can't even walk outside without chickens everywhere.
1: Well, I mean, crazy chicken lady that also does yoga, that's not a terrible title to have in my opinion.
2: (laughs) No, no. I actually have a girlfriend right now trying to talk me into teaching yoga classes at my place and doing, like, chicken yoga.
1: Oh, um, that must be from First Lady's Farm Sanctuary. No, they –
2: I saw them. It's funny because they – maybe that's where my friend got the idea. But I saw they were looking for a yoga teacher. But they're down in Tampa. I actually have a bird from them.
1: Oh, um, okay.
2: Yeah, and I actually, the the big group of girls that I got from, they're really good ladies. They do a lot of good work. The big group of girls that I went and picked up from that commercial farm, the egg layers a couple of weeks ago, where I shoved like 36 into my SUV. <laughs> yeah, I um, saw that. <laughs> she came and picked up 26 of them. Oh. Uh, the first lady's farm. So they came and picked up 26 of them, and then I kept 10 here because they have a bigger place than me. Yeah. Um, and, but they're like two and a half three hours away from me so it's like they kind of cover their area and then I cover mine and then um Bernie is a rooster from ebor city that I took from them for retirement to live here until his last days because he's very old and he was set on fire at one point <gasps> oh my oh. god yeah and he's the sweetest guy but he he already had one bad eye and since we've had him like his his other eye was iffy and it just seems like with age he's kind of starting to you know like he doesn't see quite as well so but he lives mm-hmm. in our front yard most of the time he hangs out with the the kids and stuff so oh. he's good but yeah no they're good people they they do a lot of good work um and they uh they kind of like let me know and I let them know if we have birds that are like not going to work in my situation or vice versa kind of thing so
1: That's awesome. It's great to have friends that do what you do. It was funny when you mentioned chickens and yoga. I was like, Oh, I've seen that recently on Instagram. And there's only one place I could have seen that at because I I only follow YouTube chicken rescues. I was like, it must have (laughs) been
2: right. Well, yeah, I I used to have the hashtag chickens and yoga, which is funny. And then I kind of like don't use it anymore. But yeah, for the longest time, I had the hashtag for that. And um, I think I was probably one of the only people who ever did it. So, you know as far as like I don't know how many other people do yoga with chickens I'm sure it'll become a thing like goat yoga but
1: well I mean if you thought getting pooped on by a goat during yoga was bad wait until you get pooped on by a chicken while doing yes yoga.
2: yeah I that, that's kind of my stance too with goat yoga I, I I think goats are wonderful but I don't know if I, I want to do that <laughs> you know as someone who has uh, been doing yoga for so long you know it might be cute to an extent kind of thing right but yeah i don't know if i really want to get pooped all over
1: (laughs) (laughs) well um it's funny that you mentioned uh that just recently like since you hit social media it seems like like there's been more need for chicken rescues like do you feel like there has been like a real uptick in chickens being abandoned or, like, needing rescue? Is this, like, a new thing? Or is it just, like, you know, because... That's
2: actually a good question. Because it's hard for me to discern if I'm only noticing it more now, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or if, you know what I mean? Like, am I noticing it more now? Or is it truly a thing, right? Where, where more birds need help? Or have they always needed help? But nowadays people are kind of, like, stepping up and trying to help them. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Or just like more aware of them. Cause I was wondering if it was just like a, you know how, when you're thinking of like buying a car, suddenly that kind of car like shows up on the road, like all yes. over the place and it's everywhere, but you don't that. see it <laughs> until you think about it. I was wondering if like, because now I have chickens and I have like a farm, am I just noticing an uptick in abandoned farm animals because I care more right. or like, yeah. Or is it really like rising
2: Right. And I think it is, though, to an extent, because I have noticed even, you know, even before I went really big on the social media, I'd be scrolling through my personal Facebook or whatever. And, you know, you see a lot more T-shirts of like chickens and, you know, this kind of thing and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, even at Walmart, you can go buy like farm fresh egg signs and stuff. Um, so my my general thought is that it becomes a good idea in the moment for people. You know what I mean? And then they realize that a chicken is a huge commitment. I mean, even if you like, even down to the you know, the bareness, if you want to like have them just for meat production, they still, for those seven to 10 weeks or however long you keep them, depending on what you're processing, you have, you know, things you encounter, as you ladies know. You know, Mm -hmm. you can encounter like all kinds of diseases and issues and worms and. You know, I mean, it's just the the list goes on and on. And a lot of times I find that people get them and then they're like, holy crap, what did I do? You know, <laughs> and yeah. um, th- then they don't know what to do at that point. And then then they end up here.
1: <laughs> so. And egg laying chickens, uh, they're adorable when they're baby chicks. But then you have like that 10 weeks of in between where they're not chicks anymore, but they're not really like full-grown chickens. chickens yeah they're
2: they're furry dinosaurs at that point. yeah, yeah. And, and they're
1: not laying eggs for you yet so I think people forget like how long the process really is and sometimes like you know the shine can wear off before yes. you've gotten into like the really good part because I love baby chicks and I love raising baby chicks but yeah like that in between, it like it kind of loses its luster. It's like, yeah, they can't go in with the big chickens yet because the big chickens will eat them. <laughs> right. That's what chickens do. <laughs> um, so they have to stay in a brooder. And you've got to keep the brooder clean so that nobody gets sick. And you've got to keep the heat lamp at the right height. And you've got to keep backing it up so you're not cooking your chickens. And it's like, oh, my gosh, taking care of these is like a full-time job. <laughs>
2: oh, it is. Yeah. In fact, you know, um, people look at me sideways because don't get me wrong. I think chicks are adorable. But if you ask me what I would prefer, it would not be chicks, you know, I mean, because um, they, they are, they're a lot of work. And then I look at all the chickens we have in here at the rescue and I'm like, God, if they were all babies, how horrible would this be? You know, because oh, really yeah. I would have what, like 50 brooders and I, you know, it's just like constant, it'd be a constant heated poop party basically, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so it's like when I do get chicks and I'm like, oh man. You know, like, don't get me wrong, I love them and I think they're adorable and I play with them, but it's like, geez, Louise, you guys, like, can't you just poop where you're supposed to? You know, that sort of thing.
1: Nope, it has to be in the water dish and in the food dish and on their friend's head. At least it's not
2: just me, you know? No,
1: because
2: I wondered, I was like, what am I doing wrong here?
1: No, it's like it's one of those things Oh well, taking care of any baby animal, you know, like my baby goats were the same way. Like I had to obsess over them because I was worried that they were like fragile and going to get sick. It turns out they were totally fine. But then they also needed bottles four times a day. And, you oh, know, wow. when I had a really big cold snap come in. I had to make sure that they were warm enough. So, yeah, it's just it's part of taking care of any baby animal. Um, it's just that like, you know, that cute factor kind of gets you in and you're like, yay, yay, all the cuteness. And you're like, oh wait, I forgot how exhausting this is. (sighs) It is.
2: It's, it's really kind of like having a newborn baby. Yeah. Like it really is.
1: I mean, for much shorter, thankfully, but (laughs) yeah, well, yes,
2: thankfully. Well, and I find too here, like when we do get babies in, Uh, It was different when Dan was around, but um, Dan really liked babies. But I kind of like integrate them a little earlier, I think, than most people do. But that's usually because like I brood them inside a pen within itself, if that makes sense. So like they a lot of times, like once they get to a certain age, they brood already in a coop where everybody sees them every day. They just can't touch them
0: hmm. And then oh, yeah. by the
2: time that I'm ready to kind of let them out, I just make them their own tiny door where if they had to get away from a big hen, then the hen can't fit in there. So they like can run and get away from them. So usually about like eight, seven or eight weeks, I let the babies in and I, I guess I'm lucky with the group that I use, but the hens that I have that do that they never bother them. Oh, that's oh, wow. awesome. Like every once in a while I'll get one who's like, you know, don't, you know, she's like granny, you know, she's like, don't you do that. You know, and she chases <laughs> them everywhere. But for the most part, I don't get too many, you know, that, that are aggressive towards the babies. Um, a roosters included actually, a lot of my roosters are pretty good with babies too. So.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's so good to hear. Well, and you know, speaking of like, chickens as pets, like do you find um that there's been a lot of roosters just like being abandoned and whatnot? Um uh, yes. <laughs> because of yeah. <laughs> so you do do you have more roosters than hens? No. No, oh, okay, I do good. not.
2: And I actually <laughs> am very fortunate and that I have about a ninety eight percent rehome rate on rehomable roosters. Oh, wow. oh good. Um yeah, so but that's a lot of work involved in that. Because um roosters here's here's my thing with roosters the reason I'm one of the few people in my state first ladies is another one who takes roosters but very few rescues of any kind take them hmm. um they're so broadly misunderstood 90% of their issues are the way that they're raised from a chick up right um and i find that from my own experience too with raising roosters If you treat them like your little cuddle-wettle baby, every once in a while, you'll get a cool Instagram rooster who is really cool and lives in the house. 90% of the time, they have no boundaries by the time they get to the age that you don't want to mess with them, right? And then they end up being so, like... I'm not being sympathetic to them in the sense I do understand, we'll get to that, that there are mean roosters out there, but the general rooster, if you really coddle them when they're a tiny little hatchling all the way up and you don't ever enforce those boundaries or like you see behaviors you think are cute, but they really, if the bird were bigger, would not be cute, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got this rooster who, um, doesn't know any better, you know, like he's just like doing his thing and he, you're mad at him and beating him with a broom because he's, you know, <laughs> being a rooster or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I get a lot of those where I get the rooster in and then it turns out that after a couple of weeks, and sometimes I throw him in with an older roo I already have to kind of beat the crap out of him. I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if they have super bad manners with hens, um, nine times out of 10, they're okay. And then the other issue is always that people get chicks from Tractor Supply, you know, or you know, like feed stores, um, or they get chicks from the newspaper or whatever, and then they bring them home and they raise them or hatch them, and then they're like, "crap, well, I hatched all these eggs and I have three hens and fifteen roosters."
1: <laughs> yeah, because hatch rates are never like 50-50, right? Yeah,
2: so like I actually tried to hatch just to see what it was like, and I was horrible at it, so I just gave up. But uh, but yeah, um, so those roosters too, you know, what happens to them is you get them, you make the conscientious choice to buy life or create it, and then you're like, well, what do I do with all these roosters? And then I see them on Craigslist, you know, for 20 bucks a bird. Well newsflash, nobody's going to pay $20 for your rooster because you can go online and get 50 roosters for free if you really had to have one. Right. Um, Right. So, so there's always that. And then here with Easter coming, you're about to see a lot more roosters on the groups and stuff on social Mm -hmm. media because people go get chicks for their kids or whatever. And then either they realize it's a rooster or they get the chicks and 10 days later, the kids don't want them anymore. And then you got even more roosters. But right now on the farm we have ten. Uh a few weeks ago we had fifteen, I believe, roosters. And we've had like it depends on the time of year and stuff. We've had up to twenty roosters at one time. Oh wow. So yeah, and then and then it's me and them, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotta walk
2: out there and deal with it either way. <laughs> you know right. You know I mean? Yeah. It's like walking into Jurassic Park, you know?
1: Well, how do you keep the peace with so many roosters?
2: Um, well, I have a whole system. So, you know, we lost Dan recently, but um, I have a whole system with my older guys who are already established. This is their farm, right? <laughs> and so when the, the new boys come in, I put them in like what I call a bachelor pad.
0: Okay.
2: And I just interact with them. And sometimes the older teenagers interact with them. And they stay in this pen, and I watch how they interact with one another, and I watch how they interact with human beings. And then I watch how they interact through the um, hardware cloth fencing that I put them in so that nobody can fight, you know, or anything like that. Because when I free-range the other roosters, they can see the new guys, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So
2: everybody can see each other. And I just watch them. And then I kind of, I know it seems crazy animal chicken, you know, crazy chicken lady or whatever of me, but... I watch them. I spend like a good week or two because I feel like they deserve that and see if their issues are like genetic. Maybe they're just a full on ass hat, No offense. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> yeah. they just, you know, don't know any better. And when I decide if they're people friendly and they're cool, then that's when I start to figure out whose personality they would fit with, with what rooster I already have. Okay. And I, I pretty much have a rooster across the board. I have one that I only put other roosters with him if they've really been a bad kid, you know, no, because he's no. the one who's like, okay, this is my farm. This is not happening. And then I have ones that are kind of neutral. I have a lot of roosters who are just like, yeah, whatever. Come on in. it's cool. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just kind of integrate them by personality. And usually like literally nine times out of 10, they're okay. You know, like, everybody's okay. The hens beat them up more than the other roosters do.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. heard that story. Sam's got a good story of a rooster that almost got eaten by his flock when he was introduced wrong, right? Is that how that went? I can't remember.
0: Yeah. So, basically, what had happened was she, I gave her, like, a couple of hatching, or chicks that I just hatched. And then she had a very small coop that had all females in it. And she put him in there. And they scalped him.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. So I was like, and and she lives in a city, so she's not allowed to have a rooster. So I swapped her uh, like a regular hen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, For the rooster. And he he lives here. His name is Cluck
2: Norris. Oh, Oh, that's Cluck Norris.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he was eyeballing me today, too. He's not the one that got me today.
2: So. Oh, oh, geez, yeah. So you got flogged today, did you?
1: Oh, yeah, I did. I did, by Diablo. Uh, well, I mean, his name. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, that's
2: kind of an offensive name, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's a Polish rooster. He's got, like, a split horn. So it Aww. looks like he's got devil horns. Oh, I it. And he's it. very handsome. And he used to be super sweet, but he started getting sassy around that eight, nine-month range, which is usually when I notice... Yeah, like a yeah. hormone surge. That's when they're
2: red they're are reds. Their legs they're, turn red. Um, they are like yeah. ready
0: to bang and they are ready to defend and they yes. got all these hormones. <laughs> so it's like it's acceptable for a while because I know what that they're going through that, but now it's because it's warm out and it's spring. So now I'm keeping right. an eye on all of them because we have multiple roosters too. Yeah. Um and they do coexist usually pretty well. Um, but he's just got an attitude and I was just going like, I was, wasn't even like walking towards him and he just like reared up and got me right on the forearm. He drew blood today. So he needs to watch himself.
2: (laughs) Buy a pool noodle. That's what I do. A
0: pool noodle? A pool
2: noodle. I have it on my website. When you go into my website under education, I have a whole thing about rooster resources and how to deal with your aggressive rooster.
0: Oh, and, uh, I'll have to I, check that out. <laughs> I'll tell you
2: real quick, though. Like, I find that, uh, first of all, pool noodle is soft. And if you have to bop them one, you're not going to hurt them or break their back. or You know right. what I mean? Because like, yeah. I've heard stories of people hitting them with a broom and hurting them and stuff. Oh, yeah. I take a pool noodle. I, this is even more crazy. Okay. It's just envisioned me doing this. So I take a pool noodle, <laughs> and the ones that are very frontally aggressive because roosters fight from the front. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, gen- like if you're, if you're dealing with them and you're trying to get through to their little mind, how things work, if you're chasing them and they're running from you, they literally will still turn around and attack you the next day because that's not how they are combative. Right. Right. So I take a pool noodle. And I let them come at me, stupid, and I jab them in the chest with that pool noodle. <laughs> and I'm like, I swear to God, I jab them, and I'm like, no. And I get really loud and obnoxious, like that annoying person you hate. You know, it's just like, <laughs> no. No. You don't do that. And I bop them in the chest. And I'm telling you, their little faces, they're like, what just happened? Like, seriously. So, And and I don't even have to carry the pool noodle everywhere. It's not like a temporary fix. It's just an extension of my arm. I probably learned this from working with horses, you know. It's an extension of my arm. And I can jab them the same as they would fight each other, you know. They hit each other full front on. Yeah. And so when they want to come at me stupid, I'm going to bop them with that pool needle. And it, oh. nine times out of ten again, they're t- once or twice, they're like, okay, this isn't even worth it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Like, you
2: know, the only time that I've ever had one that was overtly, like, pushy is one that ended up being genetically just not wired right oh like most of the time they get it they're like okay i'm sorry i'm sorry you know (laughs) yeah and then you know that doesn't that excludes the ones that are like literally just aggressive beyond belief which i've had a few of those as well but yeah just get you a pool needle just just Tap him right there in the chest and be like, I don't think so, dude. Because <laughs> he'll be like, I don't know what this is, this black magic, but I'm not doing this anymore. I swear <laughs> to you, it works. Black yeah, magic. I'll have
0: to try that. I've I've done the thing before where um, we have a, a Lavender Orpington. Uh, and last year, he was very hormonal and he got punted across the coop. Because he's a <laughs> big boy. Like, those Orpingtons are a yes. no joke. Yeah. And I felt so bad because it's like, that could have gone so wrong. So it's nice to know that a pool noodle can be equal, equally as effective.
2: Well, you just have it gives you some distance between you and them, too, right? Because yeah. Because you always hear the whole, you know, the old stories about, you know, grandma chasing the rooster around with a broom. But the reality is, you hit a rooster with a, something that hard and there may, you know, you might hit them too hard or whatever. And then, you know, that's it. And then you're like, Oh crap, what have I done? So I'm not against bopping, you know, giving them a good bop (laughs) or a good what for, but I I just try not to do it in a way that it could like physically harm them. You know, it's more an ego shot. Really. So yeah. yeah.
1: So what I've got going on in my head right now is scooping up the bad roos and bopping them on <laughs>
2: the uh, Yeah. We start calling them little fluffy roo or something. So <laughs> little oh,
1: little fluffy fluffy that's cute roos. actually. <laughs> we just wrote a song, You're welcome.
2: Yeah, right. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> oh. So are there some roosters that are just like so bad there's just no getting through to them because I know like every animal has its personality right so it's not necessarily like a reflection on the chicken keeper if you end up with a roo that you just right. can't handle like there are some hens that like you just can't handle
2: <laughs> no no that is true and um, that's where it gets kind of funny because I, I know I run a rescue and I try to like obviously I, I pool noodles and everything I try to give everybody a chance but Definitely, you will sometimes get in, and I'm talking beyond the breed or beyond um, environment. You will get in roosters or hens, actually, that are just not wired right. It happens with everybody. It happens with dogs. You know, like you, they just aren't wired right. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you know, if if it were like a dog or even a horse or something, there's a lot more resources and a lot more people willing to... Rally around that and help, you know, Mm -hmm. when you've got a rooster whose odds are already against him because he's a rooster. So, you know, and you're looking at like the, the, um, quality of life for that bird. If you have one that's legitimately, and i when I say aggressive, I mean, we had one here that was full on drawing blood, attacking anything and everything in his path. Wow. And we gave him, I think it was four months It was a long time time. and my husband even went out of his way to build him. It was the first um, concept that we started doing that where instead of them always being cooped up, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. they would have like a side yard with like a guardrail across, but they would have sunshine, you know, and they could like be outside and everything because we're in Florida. Um, This guy, we made the side yard and he started jumping out of that Also, like climbing it just to attack people. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he um, did it a couple times, got my husband, got me several times. In fact, we were leaving for my wedding anniversary getaway last year. And he filleted my leg, the whole back of my calf with his sperm. He was just, oh, he was a monster. And it's like we tried everything. We tried uh, giving him more space. We tried everything I could think of, and then finally I put him down because he just, the last straw was, we made the fence higher even to keep him in there, and he got out and attacked my autistic three-year-old daughter, and uh, that was the final straw, and I said, okay, so, you know, then I kind of made a policy with the rescue that Uh, Yeah, I'll take your rooster and I'll give your rooster about a month. But if your bird is dangerous, in fact, if you look on my website under rooster resources, it says, we will not rehome Hannibal Lecter for you.
1: (laughs) Like it flat out
2: says that. So if, if, you know, if your bird is aggressive, and I actually have two on the website resources on your options if you just can't keep your rooster, including like um, humane euthanasia and stuff like that, if anybody's interested you know it's on there. But yeah, so but that does happen. Now, hens I've had some hens that are just not nice, you know. I can't say I've ever had one I would put, you know, have to have them euthanized for that. But I have had some hens that have definitely had to have special living conditions because they are just like not nice. Mm. Like they're they just don't want friends, you know. They're like my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <I> love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good to know uh, about roosters, that there are humane options. You know, I always really loved what, um, oh, my mind just totally blanked on what her Instagram handle is uh, at the moment. When she used to hatch, uh, she used to do like hatching eggs and then she would sell the chicks and... They were sex-linked so that, you know, she could pick the roosters out if people just wanted hens. And she would raise the roosters in a separate coop um, until they were of, like, a good enough size that they were good for, like, making dog food. And then she would make them into, you know, food for her dogs. And she had a really great process that involved, like, some petting and some music and Made it something that was not, like, a horrible end. And I right. can totally get behind that. Because, like, the, the rooster then has, like, a purpose that fulfills, like, you know, the circle of life. But also got to live, like, you know, a really good life in a really good place, you know, until that right. time came. But didn't end up, you know, like, dumped in the middle of a street somewhere because somebody couldn't keep a rooster.
2: No, exactly. And I am, um, like I said, I came from farming. So... I was very much the same way, actually. You know, like I appreciate all life. And, you know, when I did eat meat, I was very much the same mindset. And as as a person who rescues chickens daily, I would rather see someone do that. You know, hate mail, come on. But I'd rather see someone do that <laughs> than, like you said, dump a bird out on the road or put them on Craigslist for whoever to pick them up. You know what I mean? And you don't know where they're going. And I know a lot of people, too, they raise these birds and they get emotionally invested in them and then they find out they can't keep a rooster and then they're very limited to what they can do and they're afraid to take every option, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, because the reality is, too, like, I think me and First may maybe the only real bigger chicken rescue in our state, even. So, like, between us, then what do you do? You can't, like, bring me 50 roosters. I can't take them. They can't take them. You know, (laughs) so it's like, it's like, you know, uh, people have to like make plans for this stuff before. So I think your friend, like, it sounds like that's at least a pretty good plan. At least they have a good life, you know? And, um, and they're not, you know, being being dumped off because let's face it, I can have a rescue in every state and I still can't cover as many chickens as there are. Right. You know, I can't save every bird. So we all know they're going to get eaten. I mean, that's just life, you know? We try to save the ones we can. And then, you know, I mean, it just is what it is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so taking on as many chickens as you do, like you mentioned uh, earlier to us, I I don't think it was on the podcast, but somebody had just like dropped off what, like 26 chickens to you the other day. Yes. How do you handle, yeah, yesterday, (laughs) that's what it was. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How do you handle biosecurity for taking in new chickens with already having so many?
2: Um, well, what we do is we use, first of all, hard wire cloth on the outside of all chicken coops that, that way it's small enough to where there really can't be too much contact. I'd have to, I'd have to post a picture of it, but it's basically like a double layer wire. Right. So, and then, um, I figure out what coop they're going to go into that. This was very last minute. So i they went into a coop, but it was very last minute. I actually had to add perches to it today because I was not prepared for that. <laughs> so, But um, anyway, so they go in and it's, depending on where they come from, depends on the extent of the biosecurity that I do. Believe it or not, commercial laying hens get less biosecurity for us than privately owned birds. Oh, wow.
1: Well, I could believe that because like a yeah. uh, um, commercial farm hens, like they were kept inside a building and like, you know, they're pretty disease-free, right?
2: Yes. Well, the, the thing with them too, is that they're obviously, they're NPIP, which is natural poultry improvement plan certified. You know, if they're a commercial bird, they're generally USDA inspected. So a lot of the bigger like merics and, um, influenzas and stuff that would be x out immediately because they get tested, you know, so regularly, um, but also with them, my biosecurity more with the commercial hands is keeping them away from everybody else. Not because there's anything wrong with them, but because they've been so isolated that they have no immunity to a lot of things that your hardier backyard chickens have immunity to.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Cause they've been so isolated. I mean, you know, a lot of our, the girls that we get in, they've never even seen sunshine. They always have a roof over where they live. You know, whether it's mm. solid walls or it's, claw, you know, hardwire, um, they, they don't know what sunshine is. So they've never been out. So they've never gotten into situations where they were exposed to anything. Like their whole life has been, you know, perched, nest box. That's it. Whereas privately owned birds, I have no idea, you know, um, like these 26 that came in, they're all in quarantine for, for 30 days. Um, minimum. But I already have a couple of them who are showing signs of uh, just a distress, right? And then a lot of mm-hmm. them, too, were just poorly kept. You know, so they're, um, they they, they uh, needed to be soaked and all that stuff. And a lot of them have, like, back-end issues and things. But I just tend to find more issues in my privately owned forfeits than I ever do in the commercial birds. The commercial oh. birds, the worst thing with them is they're generally so henpecked be from boredom that a lot of them just have no feathers and, and then like prolapse vents. But other than that, nothing too crazy. Huh. So, but I basically just, uh, isolate everybody for 30 days. Um, and then anybody who free ranges, I do temporary pens set up where they can go out and go on grass and then go back into their coop. So they don't have access to anybody else.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting about the commercial uh, hens. I'm sure that that's going to surprise a lot of people, uh, not just Sam and I. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I try to be careful about what I like because I'm not out to bash, obviously, you know, the USDA or anything. Right. Um, uh, It's more just uh, with the commercial hens. What I do openly say all the time is um, know where your eggs truly come from. You know, and uh, the birds that you see that are quote unquote organic or cage free, that's they're cage free in the sense that they're not in battery cages, but they are still confined to beyond a reasonable capacity for their mental well being, in my opinion. Um, And in the opinion of, of several big organizations, you know, so. Uh, But you like if you buy eggs at the grocery store, now they have this new thing that's amazing and it's called Humane Certified. And um, pretty much I think even uh, you guys probably don't have Publix, but like even any of your chain grocery stores where y'all are at and you don't need to buy eggs. But if you have friends who do, um, there's a thing now called Humane Certified and all of those eggs come from hens who live on pasture.
1: Oh, that's super cool. I
2: didn't know about that. All free range, like truly free range, not like free range where they get like one little side yard on a big warehouse. Like literally they live in pastures and it's pretty reasonably priced too. That was something I just recently heard about through a few networks that I'm involved in and I thought that was pretty neat.
1: I just pictured something in my head and it made me laugh, but it's totally not funny. But it's like you uh, label egg cartons for your range and it's like a giant uh, warehouse full of chickens. And then there's this like beautiful outside area, but the door is so small that the chickens that's exactly like, can't actually, actually get out of it. That's exactly what it, it is. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. what I just pictured in my head from what you said. Yeah,
2: and, and it, it, that's actually exactly what it is. And I can't, I, like I have it all in resources on my site, but I believe that the... Um, the protocol for that uh, is uh, the warehouse, and they have to have access to one open door and one open window. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think about, it, if you have a thousand birds in a warehouse and a twelve foot by twelve foot space outside, who's going to get out? The dominant hens, right? Like, yeah. there's there's no way they're all going to get out there. But that that really is the the standard <laughs> right now for that, which I'm trying to help change that with a few people that I'm working with, but. Right now, that is the, the standard for commercial birds. So,
1: Well, that's awesome that you're trying to make a difference with it, though. So, like, not only do you rescue chickens, but you're actively trying to make, like, the lives of commercial hens, like, better where they're at. Because, yeah, yes. like you said, you're limited on space, so you can't save all the birds. No, I personally. wish I could. My
2: husband, I'd get a divorce probably, but I mean, I wish, <laughs> I, wish I could, though. I really do. I wish I could, but no, I I would like to see things become more humane for everybody, for meat birds, um, all poultry, especially not because I don't care about cows and pigs and stuff, just because poultry seem to be more forgotten because they're not as cute by the public standard, you know? (laughs) So I feel like, I feel like they need a little bit of a voice, but it's not so much me being against people eating them or getting eggs. It's, um, me wanting to see them at least be treated fairly, like your friend does, right? You know, from start to finish, at least make sure that the bird lived a good life.
1: Yeah. You know? Totally. That totally makes sense. Well, do you have any advice for anybody that would be interested in starting up a chicken rescue?
2: Well, um, have Don't
1: the do it. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I <was laughs> say have
2: a lot of patience and, uh, give up getting your nails done or anything and um, (laughs) (laughs) um, fully expect to look like you have some sort of issue because like you have cuts all over your entire body all the time from like everything from beaks to wings to uh, spurs. And, but no, truly though, if you want to get into it, I got into it accidentally. So I truly don't have a good answer for that, except if it's in your heart and you really want to, if you really love chickens and you want to help them do it, but don't overwhelm yourself, and also make darn sure that you are within your legal limits and code enforcement. Because I've known people too who have tried to set up sanctuary for chickens, and then find out they can't even have them where they live. Oh you my know. god! Yeah, so Jeez. yeah, nowadays too, code enforcement's getting so weird with chickens that you could live in a quote-unquote agricultural area. And end up not even being allowed to have birds. But no, if anybody wants to help, help chickens. And the other thing you can do is if you want to foster chickens, if I'm allowed to plug this. Oh, yeah. If you want to foster chickens and you live anywhere in the United States of America, please contact me because I am trying to set up a national database because we get emails from people from all over and we're in Florida. Um, we're trying to set up a national database where people can find help if they have to rehome their flock. And I want to set it up to where if you're interested in fostering like that, that I would screen everybody first and make sure that you have the facility and you know, that you, that's like the birds you want to take and then go from there. So if anybody's interested in doing that, let me know, (laughs) because I would love to be able to help people in other states. You know, I just I only have like five or six people right now willing to do it.
1: Yeah, we'll put links to everything that we talk about uh, here during this episode in the show notes. So there will be a link um, specifically labeled like how you can help foster chickens or or something yes fact, yeah so that and i have it on the website as
2: well so the direct link is on the website as well i, I think it's under a uh, community community resources is what it's under
1: okay perfect and you know so speaking of rehoming chickens are you are you finding that people are rehoming chickens often because of like uh what did you say like building code enforcement or like yeah county yeah
2: yes here county restrictions yeah Okay. Um, where and sometimes it's their fault and sometimes it's the county being assholes you know it's like yeah uh, like here in uh, my town more into like the townier part of town because we're out in the country part um people had chickens here for you know 100 years at least this is an old town and they passed an ordinance where they couldn't have backyard chickens anymore and a lot of people lost
1: the opposite of what most people are doing
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's, it's crazy because a lot of these areas, and, you know, and they're already hyper-restricted. You can only have hands. You can only have four or five. But even the people who were following that, they took their birds as well. Um, and that was a big thing. And it's happening all over, at least in Florida. But the other thing is that people do get the, the uh, certification to have chickens, and they're supposed to have five, and then they turn around and have 20 of them.
0: Oh, jeez. You
2: know, and eventually a neighbor is going to complain because even without a rooster, hens can be, to me, louder than a rooster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they can. Yeah,
2: because when my hens get going, like, it's, it's, like, magnified by, you know, 66 right now so well, like have you ever
1: heard an egg song like you know one chicken starts and then the whole backyard goes off yeah like, oh, ladies I like, get it
2: that's why I'll understand how people hide 20 chickens in their backyard in, in the suburbs for any amount of time because when one chick you know one chicken in my yard lays an egg everyone tells me including the rooster <laughs> like everybody tells me and so I go out there for one egg you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's like
1: <laughs> They're so proud of themselves. They
2: are. They come up to my front porch and everything and tell me. So everybody is. I have a rooster who screams like a rabbit every time a hen lays an egg.
1: Oh, my gosh. So, I'll
2: have to get a video of that. He screams like, you know, how rabbits scream if they get hurt or whatever. That's exactly what he sounds like.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a a lady, like, being stabbed. Yes. The first
2: few times I heard it, I thought something was happening out in the back. And I was like, oh, it's just him. Okay.
1: Well, we all know that chicken feed and chicken care costs money. So let's talk about how you raise funds for your rescue. Okay. Because you do some really cool stuff. Like, in fact, I have one of them hanging on my wall. I have a super oh, yes. cool shirt yeah, on my Oh, yes. You Yeah. <laughs> you bought
2: the good vibes picture. Thank you, by the
1: way. <laughs> I did. Yeah, and I ordered one of your... Uh... The
2: chakra balancing chickens. Yes. I'm so yes. excited
1: about that. I don't get to do a lot of yoga right now because of my back issues, but I meditate like no other at the moment. So I'm like, That's awesome. I can still use that.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, when I designed the chicken chakra shirt, I was like, I need something. Like, I have yoga shirts with chickens, but like, no, I need something cool and I was like let me design so I designed like the chakra chicken thing but I'm so glad you got that but yeah um I we do take cash donations but I kind of one of those people where I'm like really proud and I feel like I should give you something in exchange for helping our rescue so um, because of that is why on our website chickensmatter.org I Not only do I design all the t-shirts, and all of those, by the way, are my designs (laughs) um, because I do digital art. Um, I do the t-shirts, but I also do hand-painted portraits of pets. It doesn't have to be chickens. I have examples on the website. I do pet portraits. Um, I also paint anything you can think of, signs, custom signs, wine glasses, um, pretty much anything. Yeah, like I, I basically do just sell art. And then the other thing that we started doing recently is, um, which is only local right now, obviously, but we do community eggs and we do get donations from that, but it's mostly just to give back to our town because we have some, uh, impoverished people here. So all of my excess eggs, which is a lot, I have a little stand outside my house and I put the eggs in cartons and people come take them for free. And then they leave donations if they have the means, and if they don't, that's fine too. But yeah, so that's pretty much it. I do custom art and eggs.
1: <laughs> that's well, pretty much and there's what I do. an option for people to um, become a monthly supporter, right? Yes, On the website?
2: yes, that's for the permanent residents. I believe it's two dollars a month. Okay. Um, and it's per, you know, like so, like if you want to, and I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually went through it, did a name tally today of everybody, which was in, almost impossible. And um, I'm actually going to set it up too on the website where you can pick which bird you want to sponsor because I know Joy is very popular, the blind one, the blind one, oh, yeah, men. yeah, um, and a lot of people write in and they'll even put a note when they donate. They're like, I want to sponsor Joy you know every month but <laughs> I'm you're like I have like
1: 80 other chickens too but okay <laughs> yeah no but I think
2: it's cute though because she really is so special you know but it's so funny because she really was not the prettiest thing when she came in she looked like a chicken that had come right off the rotisserie it was really bad oh. and um she had no feathers I don't know if you guys remember her but she's got like one of her eyes is obviously doesn't work and the other one's gone um and she was henpecked really bad by other hens and she lost her eyes. So we've had her for about six months now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so you can sponsor a bird like her for, for $2 a month. Um, you can also do this thing we have called buy a bag and it's $10. And then we'll send you a receipt of the feed, right? So you can um, click on buy a bag and and donate $10. And then when I go to the feed store the next day or two, I'll even send you a receipt and show you that, you know, that's what it went to. But um, just stuff like that, because we really, you know, it's not about me, you know, becoming Tammy Faye Baker and like making a bunch of money off not profit. You know, it's, (laughs) you know, we do obviously really need help, but we also try to give back so that we don't feel like we're just taking things from people, if that makes sense.
1: Well, taking care of the chickens is giving back. I mean, having a service like this for when you do end up with that rooster that you can't keep or your hoa does change the rules or your county changes the rules like it's a really important resource and it's it's a resource that is very much needed whether people necessarily see the value in it right away or not and it's hard work that you guys do like i mean I don't have a ton of chickens here, but like when there's an illness or the coop needs to be cleaned or stuff needs to be done, like time has to be set aside of the day to do that. So in order to facilitate a rescue, like it, it can be seen as a job, like for sure.
2: Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and it shouldn't
1: be like looked down on or like downplayed just because it's good work. I guess like, it's
2: my modesty, right? I'm yeah. Just like, you know, that's just how I am. I'm like, well. You know, like, you know, it's like, you know, with the donations, I'll post and say, you know, and and trust me, we appreciate them and people have been so good to us. It's just one of those things where it's like, I want to do this because I love the birds and I don't want people to think I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just like me as a human being, I guess. I'm just very... You know, well, if if I can make you like a a rad t-shirt, that's even better, you know, or or like whatever, right? (laughs) To like compensate for everything, but, but no, it is a lot of work. And in fact, after I'm done with this, I'm going to go clean coops and that is no picnic.
1: No. No. Let me tell you.
2: And then I find eggs everywhere too, because (laughs) nobody wants to lay their eggs and all the beautiful things I build for them. No, everybody wants to pop a squat and lay an egg in the middle of the play yard, you know, and then I have to go in there and get it. And then everybody comes and swarms me because they think I have food. And it's just a nightmare. Like, <laughs> it, just, it just really is. <laughs> One day y'all are going to see me on the news trampled by chickens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> trampled by chickens would make an awesome band name. Someone do that. Oh my yeah. gosh, it would.
2: That That's like kind of 90s grungy kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, trampled Absolutely. by chickens. That's pretty good. Like, I'm an old Alice in Chains kind of gal, you know, so that's an an actually pretty good name. That's pretty cool.
1: So uh, one of the things we always like to ask everybody that we interview, um, because we do like to tell farm stories at the end of our regular episodes when people send them in. Do you have any, like hilarious or weird or just like funky stories that you can share like from your chicken rescue adventures?
2: I can. I well, I'm trying to think of who I can talk about uh that wouldn't be sad, you know? <laughs> so Aww. I'm thinking more well the roosters, I know you guys heard about that. Um the, did you guys hear about the two roosters?
1: Uh, did you have two roosters that got stolen?
2: Yes. I can talk about that and I'll just keep it as.
1: Oh yeah. No, you know what? You should tell that even though it's not going to be like, it's not going to be a funny story, obviously. Yeah. But no, it's an important story.
2: But yeah. So, um, I was trying to think of stories. I'm like, well, I got lots of little stories, but that was a big one. So I think it's been about two weeks now, two and a half weeks. Um, we live in a pretty small community, but we do have a pretty prevalent issue with, uh, we live on a, a major county road, so people go up and down, you know. Well, anyway, I never leave my property, like, ever. And I had to go and actually pick up some hens. So I was gone for a couple of hours, and I had left everybody locked in the coops. By locked, I mean just latched. At the time, I didn't have locks on them. Um, and I came back, and my... our, Well, our most favorite rooster, Little Dan, was gone out of the yeah. coop. And so was Lemmy. And Lemmy is this, like goofy cross-eyed easter egger so i'm not I, he's so cute but he's you know i mean i could see dan if somebody thought he was worth money because he was a gold duckwing phantom you know but uh the other one i mean i guess he, you know he's pretty but anyway so they were gone and and at first i was like okay well maybe i'm wrong so i'm going through and i'm checking to see if he they like escaped and i did something wrong you know and then it, it was a few hours later after my husband got home that we realized someone had stolen them. So we're in a local group in our community on, on, a uh, Facebook and stuff just for our town. And I posted on there, well, I think I may have made a mistake in the sense that I, I made it too public. Right. So everybody in town knew about it. Oh. And, um, so the, I, th- I believe it was, yeah, it was the next day I was kind of, you know, meandering around and an everything. I would keep coming out and I would keep checking to see if they came back. And I would keep checking the coops, went and bought padlocks for all the coops and stuff. And, um, it was so weird because I was home and at two o'clock I checked on the birds. I brought the kids inside. At 4.30 I came out and Dan was deceased. Um, and someone had thrown him back in front of his own coop. (sighs) <sighs> but it was recent right i'm not going to get too graphic right but it was recent and it was very bad and it was not an animal attack by oh any means, any matter of means it was not and it was a big process we had to like call the police and everything and take pictures and stuff um so anyway uh, my husband buried him that night it was actually his bird and he was very upset so he buried him yeah. that night and i had given up hope on limmy So I went about my business. We hyper, did hyper security on everything, which is so weird because in the town we live in, literally everybody loves us, you know? So we didn't get it. We didn't know if it was some crazy person or what, you know? Mm. Um, So we did all this hyper security. Well, the following Friday after that, I had my youngest daughter out in the garden and I heard all the hens were going nuts. So we went and we walked all around. I didn't see anything. Went back in the garden and I was cutting chicken wire for the garden bedding and stuff And I took the scrap metal to the scrap metal pile behind our barn, and there was Lemmy sitting there. But I thought he was dead, right? So I was like, oh, Oh. no way, you know. Well, I go over there, and I realize that he was not. He was um, completely alive but very lethargic. I was amazed that he made it back because I make fun of him, but he's actually just—he uh, had a great owner, but um, it's just his personality. He's very timid and afraid of everything,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he was an owner forfeit. But anyway, I, I was amazed that he made it back. So I kept him in our bathroom in the shower for three days, Aww. and I had to give him subcutaneous fluids under his skin because he was so dehydrated. It was so bad, and um, but anyway, he's fine now. But yeah, someone came on our property and took two roosters and they weren't looking for food because I have Biscuit.
1: Yeah, that's the right. big guy,
2: like right in the mm-hmm. garden, you know? So if anybody really wanted something for food, they would take the, you know, 13 pound bird in the f- front of the property. But uh, yeah, so somebody <laughs> took them and, uh, fortunately, Lemmy made it back. Dan didn't, uh, are not the way we expected. um, but, yeah, we, were, we weren't really sure. I know that's kind of a sad story, so sorry. But
1: Well, but it oh. has a happy ending with uh, Lemmy making it back and being okay.
2: It really did. You know, we were so happy to have him back. And we were really happy that we got Dan back, even though the circumstance was shitty, you know. Right. Um, he meant a lot to us, so at least we got him back. But, you know, that's the thing, too, is with rescue. People target rescues. You know, I mean, they do, like, and I've never understood why, even back when I rescued horses in, like, the early 2000s, you know, there's just weird people out there. So watch your flocks, I guess, is the moral of the story, because you literally never know. You could go somewhere and come back, and somebody will just take your birds, apparently. Mm -hmm. And, um, And, you know, especially if you have a higher profile like we do, I guess, right? So...
1: Well, the only reason I can think of that people would want to target rescues is because a rescue is a place where, like, the worst of humanity is on display for everybody to see. Because, like, you take in the animals that have been horribly abused or horribly neglected or um, were turned in because of, you know, like, owner vanity or um owner selfishness you know like taking in animals that they can't actually that they're not actually capable of taking care of of taking care of them themselves so like I think that's why people end up targeting them is because it's just like here's all of the ways in which humans just cannot seem to keep a hold of themselves like right here in one place Um, right
2: yeah, no, that, that's actually, I've never had it put that way. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like, because, you know, on our end, we think, oh, we're helping. But yeah, there and there are people who, like, get their rocks off, I guess, on being mean, you know? Yeah. Like, doing mean things. But it didn't stop us. You know, it didn't stop us. A lot of people wrote me, and they were worried. They're like, oh, please don't stop rescuing the birds after that happened. But we're not. And honestly, our town's so small, like, whoever did that made pretty much everybody here so angry that it was unreal because everybody knew these birds. Well, Dan, Dan used to go to the Dollar General with me and stuff, (laughs) you know, so like he used to go to the grocery store and stuff and everybody knew him. So, but, um, but yeah, we just, you know, we try to, even with that, we try to get into the community and help people around here with their birds and, and nationwide, you know, as well. I answer tons of messages and that's okay. If you ever have a question, write me. But um, I answer tons of emails a day, too, with questions about chickens and stuff. So I try, you know, I'm dispersing myself everywhere, <laughs> T- trying to make sure I can help as many people and animals as possible. So,
1: Well, we're certainly glad that you do what you do. And we think that all of your insight has been really helpful for listeners. So, I mean, thanks for joining us. No
2: problem. I hope it's been helpful. Sometimes I think I'm just this redneck that rambles on about chickens, but you know. (laughs) Not at all.
1: Well, I think Sam and I would be in the same boat, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're in good company. I think (laughs) if we all got together, it would be pretty funny. Yeah, we'd probably have some good stories.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate you tuning in to our little podcast, and we hope that you learned a little more about chicken rescuing and roosters and just human beings and stuff in general. We talked about it a lot. This was a, this was a big we did. episode. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, bye.
2: Bye. bye.